I mean, Sean McVay got everybody hired last year. He got his QB coach to take over the Bengals, which, by the way, clearly he doesn't know what he's doing because the Bengals are 0-9. I have never seen a, you know, a head coaching tree die as quickly as Sean McVay's. Like, it, it sprouted, and all of a sudden, Paul Bunyan came through and then just started chopping these things down the moment that these little tiny trees started to sprout. It, that might be one of the best sound bites you have ever given. podcast um got a short little bit of shorter crowd we've got three of us here and you know we don't have an ennis here for once which is kind of a crazy Shocking. little spot to be um but welcome everyone and great to have you and we're just going to dive right into it um once again starting with the nfl because that's the only way i know how to start a podcast um <laughs> so starting with the nfl so we had some cool games that took place uh this week what were some games that stood out to you guys uh, I, I think for me, being out here in the Northwest, obviously that Seahawks-Niners game was was just incredible. That's everything that you want a Monday night football game to look like. That's the reason that you have prime time alleged heavyweights that you schedule at the beginning. And finally, one of them paid off. It was a moment where you actually tuned in and wanted to see because it was real implications about teams who matter yeah. you know we, we've had a lot of these games that have happened on monday that are mostly watched by people who are either gambling or setting their fantasy football roster just to figure out what it is rather than sports people who are like i want to see two great games and this had the feel of a flex sunday night football game it, for me it was the standout of the the week of football I, it had the feel of a playoff game. I mean, Absolutely. Ob- obvious playoff implications with a divisional, you know, two divisional heavyweights. You've got uh, arguably the best defense in the NFL, uh, for sure the NFC. You've got uh, the front runner, uh, for sure, in the NFC for MVP. Uh, and, I yeah. mean, it was it was the marquee matchup that One we were looking yeah. for, and it delivered uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. It yeah, no, it was it was an entertainment. I mean, it was it was just one of those games that you just kept watching, and then I I watch it via the internet on my TV, which every now and then cuts in and out. I watch it legally. I do watch it legally, um, but I watch it via the internet on my TV, and so suddenly it cuts in and out, and so that is. It was one of those few times where this season, where it's happened before, where it's, uh, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, I, I, what did I miss? Did, yep. What, 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 what did I miss? I feel like I missed something important. And actually, so now we're on this. I didn't brief this before, but I just somewhat remembered this. What was the coin call? I don't remember. The the coin toss call. What did you hear? Or did I you listen to it? I, 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 I oh yeah, so there was a huge controversy over. 
It certainly sounds like he says tails. And the official heard heads. It's one of those weird things. Every time I listen to it, I hear hails. Like <laughs> H-A-I-L, which, yeah. you know what? If you can, like, say that. And now, Geno Smith has always had kind of, I mean, he's he's from the South. He's always had a little bit of a. Yeah. A little bit of a draw, which makes it somewhat tough. But yeah, it was we. It was it was an interesting thing. But yeah. another thing I will say with Richard Sherman standing there, if if the ref tried to make that mistake, Richard Sherman would have let him let him know. So I'm not huge into <laughs> yeah. that controversy of it. But it, it was weird. I watched the replays, and it's it's still yeah. really tough to hear what you know, was said. There was another thing that happened too. If you're a person who does any of the fantasy survivor leagues at all, this was without a doubt the most difficult week that anybody had faced. I had been in the big Yahoo one and made it all the way up till week 10 with 30, I think we had like 36,000 other people left. 90% of the people lost. You had your classic games of people that you choose to always play against. You know, your, your Saints were playing the Falcons. And the Falcons yeah. won, shockingly. Yeah. That was a big the, one. Uh, and then Miami. Miami shows <laughs> up, and they, with Brian Hoyer, yeah, are, uh, you know, going and just doing what they do against a Brian Hoyer-led Colts, beat them. And it was just, yeah. it was a huge shocking, huge shocking week. And the, there is something wrong with the, uh, the Rams. You know, yeah. for them. Something is broken, yeah. It's. What and what a weird weird year. I mean, Sean McVay got everybody hired last year. He got his QB coach to take over the Bengals, which by the way, clearly he doesn't know what he's doing because the Bengals are 0 and 9. I have never seen a you know a head coaching tree die as quickly as Sean McVay's. Like it it sprouted and all of a sudden Paul Bunyan came through and then just started chopping these things down. The moment that these little tiny trees started to sprout, it that might be one of the best sound bites you have ever given. <laughs> if I had a sign, though, I would still I would put I still believe in Zach Taylor, Cornhusker legend. Uh, <laughs> Zach's my man. Uh, speaking of that Ravens Bengals game, Lamar is still a video game. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> the spin move heard around the world yeah. was incredible. I mean. Uh, in one of my fantasy leagues, I traded for Lamar in week two because somebody in my league had Mahomes and Lamar. Wow. Uh, he was a late round pick, and uh, that has paid off for me decently well. So um, the but, other one, I was surprised the Titans defense held against yeah. the Chiefs enough yeah. to spoil Mahomes' homecoming. Um, yeah. And uh, my Vikings, Kirk Cousin, gets the primetime monkey off of his back for now. And uh, we go into Dallas and defeat that. So uh, the uh, this is these two weekends for Minnesota, I call the Sports Den Tour uh, because they play <laughs> Dallas and Denver back-to-back. So uh, we'll, we'll look forward to playing that Denver team. Yeah. And I am glad it's not in Denver, I'll tell you that, because that, that's a trap game. That, yeah, it's a trap. And then, I mean, sh- we not not going deep into this, but I just you have to hear. Did you hear the the sports radio analyst from Philadelphia's qu- statement about Denver? 
No. So I, he's affiliated with the with the 76ers. Uh, he says that the sport, sports leagues need to ban games from ever taking place in Denver. They should never be able to allowed to play in Denver because of the altitude. <laughs> that's that's an interesting take. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Don't know how you do that? Well, especially. I mean, there, there, were, there, were, there were times when when Colorado teams definitely used it. I know the Nuggets for a bit were got good at. No, let's go that fast pace run, run, deep run offense and move everything fast because we okay. could burn it. But for the most part, it's not. The Rockies had to literally install a humidor to make sure that their baseballs would function properly because yeah. of the weather and the altitude. It, there's a lot of little things. And once we get to baseball season, I can I will bust out science and why, why most of it is not. It just depending on everyone that was there. But you know, I, I do want to go back to this Lamar. I don't think I have ever seen a, a Heisman winner come in. This completely disrespected since Tim Tebow. To have him be completely written off after he won a Heisman in Louisville and just be disregarded as a runner only. Clearly, they, they nobody watched him play in Louisville. I loved him there. Well, he did a fantastic job in that system. And it's a baffling thing to me to watch some of the highest paid, smartest guys in an elite sport not build basic programs around their people that they're investing millions of dollars into and into draft capital. And here you've got John Harbaugh who just says, I'm going to play to my quarterback strengths. And everyone acts like it's this huge revolutionary concept. It's like, no, this is basic things. If you've got somebody who's nervous about public speaking in your job, you don't have them be the face of your company. You find another thing for them to do. John Harbaugh did the other thing to do with Lamar Jackson, and he dug up a great talent, and that's, you know, I know we're going to talk about other teams in a second, and that's why those other teams continue to fail, is you just don't acknowledge the innate abilities of the guys that you've drafted. Well, one thing you do have to keep in mind when you look at the Heisman, like, actually, like, I I mean, I don't have the list done, I wasn't sure, I didn't know you were going here, but if you think about the most recent Heisman, the Heisman in college is a kiss of death in the pros. The most before even just now, I think the most successful Heisman winner you can point to. Now, I mean, we'll see what some of these, you know, Kyler Murray and these guys, you know, these guys recent do. But recently, the other most successful guy you look at is like Mark Ingram, and at best, you say Mark Ingram is a top ten running back. He's not the best running back in the NFL. Like, no, he's a decent running back and that's the most positive thing you can say about pretty much any Heisman winner in the NFL Heisman winners don't they don't do well in the NFL they they just flat out don't boy I you know you look through here there are some great guys who have won the Heisman Cam Newton won the Heisman and did well till he got injured um in the last five years you know, you do have some struggles. It's difficult to state what Kyler or Baker is going to do. Uh, Mariota and Winstis, those aren't panning out well because one of them's a terrible human being. And the yeah, other one's a bad you know, quarterback. And the others. Well, but there. Mariota is my definition of what I just explained with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I, I watched him tear up the Pac 12. 
And then here yeah. you're just deciding, I want you to play like Peyton Manning. And right. he's obviously not Peyton Manning. Well, and other so, things that you have to look at, and especially looking at Pac-12 kind of as an example and stuff, I think this is where we get into – we got into a lot when we looked at a lot of those Big 12 quarterbacks for a number of years. These Big 12 quarterbacks came through, won the Heisman, and then they maybe would light up certain elements as pros, but they would never be good. Well, yeah, they put up numbers against a system that didn't play defense. And yeah. you start looking more and more that that's playing. There are individuals that place fantastic defense in college, but Good. having a dominant defense is not a, it's not a thing. In, and you suddenly run into, I think that's a big portion of it. We suddenly run into defenses that are paid a lot of money and well, defense coaches who paid a lot of money. Those little tricks in high school. By that argument, though, by that argument, though, the SEC should be producing the best quarterbacks, and they are one of the worst conferences for producing quarterbacks. So it it is not merely the system of defenses that you play. You can look at the list of schools who put out great quarterbacks, and the Pac-12 is the conference of quarterbacks. And I'm going to add this, too. Uh, in, In that vein, you would think that Alabama is the premier running back school of, you know, the last decade or two, but their running backs. I mean, Mark Ingram, you mentioned has had an okay career. Uh, Derek Henry didn't do anything last year until what week 15 mm-hmm. when yep. he decided to win people fantasy championships. And I had already benched him by then. So <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's really difficult to try and say, okay, this person was successful in this type of offense. So, you know, it's it, sometimes it translates, sometimes it doesn't. No. And there's so many moving pieces to that, you know, coaching staff that they went through in college and the coaching yeah. staff that they receive in the NFL. I mean, yeah. it has a lot to dictate yeah. with, what, what you said about Harbaugh is spot on. Like, he fine-tuned Baltimore and said, you know what? We're going to just completely rewrite the script because Flacco and Lamar are almost polar opposites. As Absolutely. I mean, you, absolutely. You, when you look at the Harbaugh, Harbaugh brothers, you can tell which one was a, well, was a well-known football player and which one was not. Yeah. because there's one who learned really quick of how to give others credit and how to maximize others' potential, and there's another one who learned, I want to make everything about me. We got that. You see that really, really quick. Just but that, Yeah, but the arm. <laughs> I mean, Big Brother's arm was incredible. He didn't need to have everybody else around him. That thing was the rocket that went 75 yards. It, it was amazing. And sure, it probably wasn't getting completed, but it looked awesome on TV to watch it fly through oh, the yeah. air. Well, again, this it, he, by wanted it all, he wanted it all about, about him, which yeah. we see that that's still kind of the case. Despite the unassuming tactics. Like, changed. <laughs> but... So speaking of, we were looking there, looking at scouting and perspective and finding people there. Well, there's a quarterback, former quarterback, who has been out of the league for a few years and apparently gets incredible special treatment that no one has ever 
received before, I don't believe. If you've got if you see this and you're on YouTube, give me a comment if someone who's received anywhere near this treatment um, that Colin Kaepernick is getting of a special league sponsored league paid for um, tryout for all of the teams. I've never Wouldn't heard of- you sue for being blacklisted and you win. You win. you win. The NFL paid you money because you sued them for being blacklisted. Sure, the cases got dropped, but guess what? If you're handing out, you know, I, I believe the settlement was, you know, a couple million dollars. It obviously wasn't the full amount. But anytime an organization hands out a, several million dollars, that is an admission of guilt. Oh, yeah. The, or the it's reason, paying him to go away. He has already established himself. If you decided to give him $7 million to make him go away, you clearly are stuck in the 1940s. You don't understand social media. And obviously you don't because you're in this boat right now. This is due. It is justified. He absolutely got himself blacklisted. This is the NFL trying to to show and make amends because you are already hearing smart people like Richard Sherman tell his teammates, save your paychecks. We are going on lockout. Look at what they did to Cap the moment he spoke up. They're going to do the same thing to you if you have an opinion and try to stand up for your beliefs. And kudos to the NFL for trying to fix it. This is the most, you know, quickly thrown together thing I've seen since I asked my daughter to clean her room up before she could have dessert. It is an absolute <laughs> mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, the wide receivers are unknown. You had to have them come out and say Hugh Jackson's going to be there and Regis Philbin or whatever Philbin it was who was a former head coach. Uh, I think it's Joe. Yeah. But you had to have these guys step up all in the last second because the NFL – owes them and they are also doing nothing and say hey we're trying to make it a legitimate thing it's not something they randomly thrown together which by the way it is it It was not worked out with Kaepernick's schedule it was not worked out with the teams with their premier scouts this is something that was thrown together absurdly quickly it's it's uh for me it's too little too late I think um the fact that Jay-Z has to go to Goodell and say, hey, um, you really tanked my reputation, so in order to repay me, uh, I need you to do this, is just, you know, on top of everything that you just listed, Kyle, like, it is not a good look. It's still not a good look. I'm interested to see if he's in shape. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but it's been a couple years since he's played professional football. Um, if he is somewhat in shape, I mean, then yes. Why? <laughs> I, and, and I've seen this debate go on uh, on a couple of different forums and things like that. But if you have Colin Kaepernick in shape versus a guy like uh, Brian Hoyer, for instance, who started an NFL game this weekend. Uh, did Matt Schaub start somewhat recently? Yes, he uh, did. did. Yes, he did. He You've started in place of... Uh... Matt Ryan. 
Yeah, and then you have Matt Moore, who was coaching high school football. Uh, get you know, so if these guys who have been around for a very long time uh, as you know backups at the very least, um, why not give him a shot? But yeah, it'll well, be interesting to the, see. If the interest, I mean, ready to the go. comparison. The comparison you get is all of those guys we just mentioned, especially this. We've talked to this, you know, this has been the year of the backup quarterback. Yeah. Well, the thing about the all of those guys that have gone through were okay being backup quarterbacks, knowing that they could eventually get a shot. An issue with Kaepernick has been there have been teams that have given him, have looked into getting him and wanting to sign him and been interested in signing him as a backup quarterback. It was Kaepernick who said, I'm not signing as a backup quarterback. The Broncos wanted to bring him in as a backup quarterback, but he says, no, I'm a starter and I want starter money. And that's, that's been the big, I mean, that's, I, I don't look into this and I think, I don't know. I think we might disagree on the full Kaepernick thing of no Kaepernick has decided in my opinion, Kaepernick has decided that he is, will be a professional civil rights activist from here on out. He's decided that, but at the same time, he still wants to make others look bad. I'm done with, I'm done hearing about Kaepernick. It's, I'm done, tired of hearing about stuff. And I know it's not over. I know it's yeah. going to continue. You can be done as, as much as you want, Ben. I know. He, he's but, not going away. And part of it is the issue that he highlights. There's a reason that he highlights them. They are systemic problems. And he's not wrong about any of the issues. You might disagree with the tactics. You might not like the way that he says it. But the stats... They are there, and they are problems, and they are moments when you just need to realize there are intrinsic issues. And Sean's back. Welcome back. back. Yes, there are, but again, I look at it, and I don't know, for those of you viewers that haven't figured out yet, I'm incredibly cynical, if you haven't noticed about anything in my life. I'm... I see. Like I said, I've. I think. I wish people could see the pretext line and see how much of a ray of sunshine Ben is, because <laughs> it is a huge ray Very of true. sunshine. Um, but no, I look at things, and I honestly, I look at, especially I look at the way with Kaepernick. This stopped being about his issues, a lot, or this stopped being about police brutality and other issues a long time ago, and this started becoming about. Kaepernick. Not I will also that, say, but, too, I pulled up the Broncos thing. He's not wrong to demand the starting position from the Denver. They started uh, Trevor Seaman, Patrick Lynch, then back to Trevor, then Brock Osweiler, then Peyton Lynch, then Casey Keenum, and Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen. He is legitimately better than every single one of those people. The, la- the, last, time, the last time he played, how many games did he win? The last time he played, he got benched for Chase Daniel. Or not Chase Daniel. No, he got benched for um, out of – used to be the quarterback in Jacksonville. The guy who couldn't play quarterback. No. he Remember, that's a, that's he was not uh, – we, we've talked about this in other things. Numbers lie. Yes. Was he putting up numbers? Yeah. He, was, he wasn't winning games, and it wasn't that, like, he was scoring 40 points a game and the defense was giving up 44. He still, with the he system was, that he had, 
He was infinitely better at the system that you even wanted to run. Winning games, and when you're not winning games, you can't ask for twenty-five million dollars a year. And that was the biggest thing with the Broncos. No, if the Broncos at the time, when everything looked through forward, the Broncos could have signed him at twelve, which is what a quarterback, which is what they were paying their quarterbacks. If they could have signed him for twelve million, because that's what you pay a quarterback who just lost a bunch of games to come in and fight for a starting position. Okay, sure. But that wasn't what he wanted. He was, no, I am elite. I am one of these guys. I am in. I am Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. I am that level of guy, which you can't say after you just after in a season after you just lost most of your games. You can't we, get that. Clearly, you you do look at the numbers. I pulled up the last season. They are not ideal. You also then have to factor in who coaching is. You yeah, did have John that. Harbaugh taking the collective. 49ers organization, pouring gasoline all over it, and then putting a match down two inches away from this gasoline lit fire, and then putting his hands up and be like, oh, it's not me. I didn't do it. When he created every single system, butting heads with every player, butting heads with the organization. They, they cleaned house entirely, president on down, because of the mess that Harbaugh created. Yeah. So it's... It's he, systemic. It, yeah. yeah, it's a systemic issue. He, but kind of moving on to the next thing that we might have disagreements with. Um, on Thursday night football, there was – it was not a good game, to, to clarify, to start off there. I mean, it was a blowout. It was a blowout exactly the way we all predicted, right? We all totally predicted that the Browns <laughs> were going to go in there and mow, mow it down. There's not a single recording to prove me wrong that I didn't predict it. So, yeah, I predicted that. That's totally <laughs> what I said. Um, but, so that, yeah, that's exactly what we thought was going to happen. Um, but a bad game ended in the absolute worst possible way that, honestly, I've ever, I've ever seen a game. Different reasons, but I've got to think of whether uh, Fail Mary – or this, what is the worst way to end a game? If the fail Mary or this, the the replacement ref, uh, Green Bay Packers, um, Seahawks game. Yep. Yeah. Well, I loved I loved every moment of that. I mean, that's I just loved watching Green Bay suffer. Yes, but, chaos, chaos. Yeah. Remember, it, remember, it cynic. I root for yeah. chaos, but there's still. <laughs> um, so, like, either that, different reasons and stuff. But the I was trying to remember the last time I watched something and I said, I don't care about what's the time left in this game. Just call it, ref. There's nothing that can be done here. Just call the game. And the last time I thought of that was the fail Mary where you have to, by rule, kick an extra point after a touchdown, even with yeah. all time gone. And two points the other way not affecting anything. By rule, you still have to kick the extra point because betting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know that, but there, yeah, this was This, this was is not awful. the only game that has happened like this in Cleveland. There has been, I was trying to look up the year, I believe it was 2000 or 2001 as well, where the refs failed to keep the game under control. 
the fans got rowdy, got drunk. They thought the game was over, and then they forced the teams back onto the field for another 45 seconds okay. where more objects got thrown down by drunken fans. I vaguely remember that so, game. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a difficult one to pull up because the NFL does not want you to remember it. They yeah. bury it in Google searches. This one, boy, I have watched this clip. I have debated obviously what miles did was wrong but my frustration with watching this is mason the instigator of all of these things gets away scot-free when you look at the suspensions handed down when you look at the suspensions handed down miles is suspended indefinitely he 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 committed what could have been considered assault the if NFL is assault. So stop. No, no, no. You don't get to say if somebody did that in real life because if you hit somebody like you hit a wide receiver crossing the middle, guess what? That's also assault. Okay, Football this is assault is a with game a deadly weapon. Of assault. Some he of these human a... beings are 250 pounds flying across people. This he literally is... has a weapon. He's holding a mace. That he... For all intents and purposes, he's holding a mace. That Mason reached for his helmet, went for the throat got up, then became the tough guy after Castellino or Castillo is walking him away, runs and charges at him in the midst, which, by the way, if you've got two NFL linemen next to you and you come running looking for a fight, you're not a tough guy. You are the definition of what we like to call in the NFL a fake tough guy. And Miles did what we ask linemen to do. We pride guys for being intense, for being maulers, for going forth. These are positive things. Every other time, you're like, I want a line who mauls people. And we teach kids, hey, stand up, protect yourself, be okay with it. And yet the moment that action actually happens, we condemn a guy for it. We condemn a guy for attempting to kill another man. So I'm going to cross sports. attempt to kill a guy. I'm going to cross sports here for a second because this is a thing as a Avalanche fan I remember. Um, years ago there was an Avalanche player, um, Moore, who hit a hockey, a rough hockey check on a Vancouver Canucks player. It was a penalty, but it wasn't an egregious check. It wasn't a Oh my goodness, this is horrible check. It was a rough penalty, and Moore was a, either in his rookie year or his second year that year. So a young player. And Bertuzzi, after the penalty and after stuff came through, I don't actually don't remember if it got called. But again, it was I'm not going to say it was a completely clean hit, but it wasn't horrendous filthy. Bertuzzi, after this came through and after this went down, Bertuzzi snuck up behind a man who wasn't paying attention, didn't know he was about to get into a fight, grabbed him by the back of the jersey and the shoulder pads, picked him up, and drove him headfirst into the ice and started to pound on him. Moore is not, cannot behave as well as a normal person can to this day because of what happened. And because of the... Here, and there is a, nothing, a difference between that, a, a blindside attack in instigating a fight. That there did, yes. is a big difference between... If Miles, as he's walking away, takes that helmet and smashes him over the back of the head, that's one thing. But this is in the heat of a moment when you're coming at a guy 
after you have already tried to choke him. This is what you ask NFL players to be. You ask them you to don't be ask aggressive. A to swing you ask a them to be aggressive. You, you ask them to be aggressive, and yet at the moment that aggression goes and takes over, when you have guys who are huge, who are gigantic, who are freaks of nature with testosterone inside them, that that happened. Miles clearly regretted it. Mason skates away with it with no consequence whatsoever for his role or his involvement. Should that's, Mason, or go, go, go ahead, Sean. You, we've kind of kept you at the sideline. No, that's here. totally fine. Cause I'm, I'm probably in the middle of both of you. Um, I believe miles got what he deserved as far and what the NFL had to do. And you, you know, because miles Garrett is a beast. And he takes that, and if he swings any harder, I mean, Mason Rudolph is in concussion protocol. It, it is a dangerous He may never play again. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is definitely a dangerous situation. Now, thankfully, it doesn't look like Mason Rudolph was even affected that much. I mean, in the heat of the moment, he gets back up, he starts barking again. The reason I don't believe that he will get suspended and probably – maybe not even fine. He may come away with this unscathed. It's because, uh, number one, I guess for me, the only reason I would penalize him would be if it were uh, racial or sexually explicit uh, instigation where he is, you know, calling him something or he, you know, something like that. Because otherwise, words are just words, and they're said on the football field. And I mean, if you've ever been close to the football field or the basketball court or yeah. the hockey, I mean, you know. Like, and at some point, Miles Garrett needed to have self-control in the situation, which is why he got what he got, and which is why I go back and and I've been been kind of coming back and forth on this, and I'm thinking, and I've been thinking back on different dirty players and, and just how the NFL has handled this. And I think it's, it's interesting because you look at the, the variety of situations that have happened recently, somewhat recently and things like that. It, it, it's, it's such a different situation. Everybody in the NFL knows that Richie incognito is crazy. Like yep. he's psychologically out of his mind and shouldn't be playing football, but, whatever i don't i don't that's a whole different subject and and he is a former husker which he he is an embarrassment to the name but one guy that i absolutely love and still continue to actually wear his jersey is in damican sue and sue is also hailed as dirty player it has been and and uh you know i think most of us were probably watching what's it thanksgiving day that he stomped on aaron Rodgers, and uh and you know when so at that point, what immediately thought when we were having these conversations was, okay, Aaron Rodgers is known as just an arrogant and lots of words that I want to describe, but I can't say because we're a clean family podcast. But it, Aaron Rodgers has a reputation. So the question for me is, you know, in that situation, do you think Aaron Rodgers might have said anything? that made Sue react in a way that stumped, you know, when we look at that, you can't, and and for me, there has to be some sort of 
line or defined definition. Like I said, for me, it's a racial slur or something that is very sexually explicit. If he's caught on camera or something like that, find him, suspend him, do whatever. But if you have no proof or no evidence, I just don't see how the NFL can just react out of. Um, and maybe the kick is, is something that, that, like I said, I didn't see on the tape. But yeah. uh, grabbing the face mask, that happens. You know, that nobody is really going to get suspended for that. And so that's where I sit with the situation. Another another element to look at, um, and uh, I'll give you – after I'm done, I'll give you a minute or so, Kyle, to close this out, and we do have to move on. Um, but I looked at this, and I've, I've never looked at Garrett as or considered Garrett a dirty player, but I've seen stuff that's come out tonight, today, or that he does have a history of fines. He's he's thrown punches. He's thrown a lot of late hits. I forgot that he had three late hit roughing the quarterback penalties um, against the Jets earlier this year. Um, including a hit that broke Trevor Simeon's leg. Um, so I've, I've just never really looked at that and thought, but it was kind of that. So but this is a guy who does have history, and that is something the NFL does take into consideration. I do look at it, and especially given how where it ended up, um, when you look as a league and you see Rudolph grabbing a face mask and, you know, barking in this thing. You know what? If you if you bark and something in, and someone ends up getting bit, you know what? Everyone who barks should maybe get something. So yes, throwing a fine his way. Um, I don't think he needs to get suspended. I mean, if nothing else, I'll say, you know what? He got hit in the head with a helmet. He's been punished. Um, but give him a definitely give him a fine, especially. I mean, watching the video, um, definitely and, there. But it's but anyway, yeah, I, I would encourage everyone up. to actually go and. Find the long video, the quick clip that you see that doesn't show the the full tackle from from Miles onto Mason, and the awkward tumble to the ground with the the grabbing of the throat and Mason trying to go on top and then getting thrown off to the side is something that does change. When you just see that three second clip of Miles grabbing and swinging the helmet. That is an incomplete story. Um, there is something that, in my gut, that I feel sometimes that, you know, you talk about Colin Kaepernick, and you look at this, and I'm not saying that it is, but you had four people involved in a scrum. Three people get suspended. One doesn't. The three black guys get fined and suspended and lose money. And the one white guy who started the whole thing walks away scot-free. I'm not saying that it was racial, but given the fact that we just talked about Kaepernick, the NFL does not have a good leg to stand on here. Uh, I, I don't want to jump and call this a full, complete race thing, but given in the light of Kaepernick, it is something that, for me, I cannot discount the NFL on that attitude. And, and once again, not 100%. Because I know that you guys, when we talked about this, didn't feel that it was. But at the same time, you look at that long video and you look at the suspensions that have come out. And literally, the guy who, who did have his throat. And two, that if you've played NFL, if you even played high school, the worst place to be is on the line. I know I'm not a big guy, but I played line in high school. Those 
areas in there are full of punches and poles, and it is a dirty, rough place to be in the line in any spot. You are getting hit constantly, all the time. And so, the, yeah, your recommendation, the recommendation that we've got is this is say follow the follow the lead of a wise teacher in in a book where he said turn the other cheek because you know what if i i was just saying as you were just kind of going through the image that came to my head was andrew luck and every time andrew luck got hit late andrew luck did the exact same thing every single time yeah. he got hit late or he got hit whether it was a late hit or a dirty hit no matter what it was he stood up and he got in the guy's face and he clapped and said, that was a great hit. You really got me hard there. And you know what? It diffused a lot of situations. What yep. He turned the other cheek. Yep. And yes, it was. I believe there was a late hit or that wasn't called, but it was a questionable hit on it the original play. And you know what? If if Mason sits up and does the Andrew Luck, we're not here. That doesn't excuse everything. That doesn't mean, you know what? You, you didn't turn the other cheek and therefore you deserve to get someone try to cave in your head with their helmet. Um, that's not here, but we're going to go, we're going to move on from that um, subject um, to one that's a purely, I'm happy about this. It's a purely sports, but there is some passion here um, of the NCAA. We're going to hit a couple stories, both football and basketball here. And um, that is Alabama still going to the playoff like, or rephrase this. Cause I'm going to even, I'm going to increase it. Is there any way that Alabama wins out so doesn't lose again and doesn't still make it into the playoff? Uh, I I hope, I hope that they would get counted out. Join me in my cynicism. Uh, Come on. But I don't see it happening because – for whatever reason, the media just eats Alabama up and goes to bat for them. And I mean, it, it's just—I mean, you look at the—you look at the rankings of college football, and you have a lot of one-loss teams, and out and of some no-loss teams, and some no-loss teams. And out of all of those, I don't see. I just I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening where if Alabama wins out that they would get excluded from the playoffs just because. And Nick Saban is is hailed with the quote that I don't think a team who did not win their conference championship should be in the playoffs. And yet he has won a national championship without winning his conference championship. And I could possibly do it again, which frustrates me to the nth degree as a college football fan because this is why we have begged for a playoff in you know all of these years and whatnot. This is why the bowl system was flawed and the BCS. This is why everybody complained and everybody was so fed up with the BCS. And now we're running into similar situations. So where it's like, okay, now do we talk about – an eight-team playoff. Now do we, you know, what do we, where, where do we have to go? Do we have to go uh, January Madness here and, and just invite yeah. 64 football teams to duke it out? Yeah, I don't know. And and I hope to God that Alabama does not make the college football playoffs. I hope uh, Joe burrowed them into the ground, but. I, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's yeah. uh, you look at Alabama's schedule this year. Not only are they doing their continual, you know, cupcake wars scheduling style, it <laughs> is a a brutal joke. They play two real teams. The SEC is people don't want to admit, but the SEC's mid tier and bottom tier the, the are SEC really West. really Not bad. West. Not the, not good. No, they're not good. Uh, well, I, got, mean, I, I will give that because that's kind of what I was looking at. They're they're in the wrong SEC. Yeah, they, the uh, SEC East. The SEC East is is pretty is pretty good. Yeah. Um, the West is the West has got nothing. No, and you had to build your schedule, winning in LSU and winning in Auburn for validity because A and M is not where it needs to be. Your Mississippi schools, they're not good. And, uh, I mean, you look at the schedule, and you put it on any other team whose jersey does not say Alabama, and there is no way that they're number four. You're looking at this, and you're even looking at the competitive nature of play, and you're like, okay, we'll give you a top ten, but you are not slotted to make it in because you lost. And, by the way, they lost to LSU in a rather convincing – at home at a rather convincing – Manner and when you lose at home in college football, that's a big deal. Home, you know, that home field be. advantage. No, home field advantage is huge in college football. No, it's saying it should be. It should be a big deal. It should but, count as a significant. That should count as a worse loss. Yeah, and to you know catch up with a couple minutes left to get the score to look better, so you're not down double digits, which is what you were at the whole game. You know. They're gonna make it in. Is it, it pains me? I don't want to join the ease of Ben's cynicism side, but I, I just with the way that it lines up. And, and two, I know that I'm the resident Pac-12 guy, but if Oregon wins out and people bring up the Auburn loss, which happened on week one with their top three wide receivers missing, any other SEC school is missing their top three wide receivers. They're letting you know every morning, noon, and night. But, you know, too, with the college committee, as you mentioned, Sean, there's problems with it. You've got guys who, when they do pods, will excuse themselves from discussing at moments. You know, you had Rob Mullins discuss or remove himself from discussing the pod about Oregon. Well, if you've got a 13-member committee and you have several people removing themselves to, quote, you know, discuss things in an open, honest, fair format, all of a sudden you go from a power of 13 down to 12 or 11 or in a couple pods down to 10. So the voting power increases. It is not in the even level playing field that we as college football fans were hoping for. And that's uh, – we wanted to succeed. And the, it's just – it's The idea that I had had when they started doing this whole thing, this is just uh, back when we were still in BCS – my vote actually was to get rid of to actually go back to what the system was before the BCS, where there is no actual national championship game. If one and two get invited to the same bowl and they play each other, you know what you can call that. But each bowl is a national champion. You're the national champion of the Liberty Bowl. You are the national champion of whatever. Because it it at the end of the day, no matter what it is. That's still the system we have. It's, you know what, a few guys decided that you four should play each other to decide who the best is. Well, five didn't get a chance to get a say in any of this stuff. Like, you know what, if it's pure conjecture and pure opinion anyway, just make it pure opinion. 
Um, that's that was the way the system used to be, and it's you know what that's the way it still is. Let each newspaper declare their national champion. It'll make say, the media. It'll, it'll media give newspapers something to do and a reason to exist. <laughs> um, but in addition to that, we're going to look at we're going to move on quickly, and we just have to cover this. And I'm going to go through this really quickly. Um, if you got anything quickly to say other than your jaw dropping that Kentucky lost, um, yeah, Kentucky lost. And I'm just going to give a quick because. I don't believe our viewers know because I had no idea anything about the school that beat Kentucky. So we're going to read this really quick. This is from Google. Um, at University of Evansville. It is in Evansville, Indiana. There, there are a few Evansvilles out there. It is private, nonprofit, four-year degree. The average cost per student after aid is $21,000. This is actually pretty cool. Their graduation rate is 65%, which is really – that's pretty good. They got a 71% acceptance rate, which is actually pretty exclusive. Um, but it also explains – and this is what really kind of gets me um, – when you see, realize that they beat Kentucky. Their enrollment in 2016 and 2017 – any guesses? 1,800. A little higher. Uh, yeah, I was going to say 3,200. 2,064. Oh, wow. My 1,800, that was pretty close. That's you were actually close. a lot closer. There are, there are high schools. Yes, sir. There are not giant high schools that have more people than that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there are still large high schools, but they are not like – Oh my goodness, this high school is massive. That's not, a, yeah, that's not a giant high school. Before aid, um, annual cost is uh, $48,970. And your typical annual income if you graduate, 41800 So there's some facts about the University of Evansville because you've never heard of them. <laughs> And if you yeah. say you did, unless you are one of those alumni, which, based on the numbers, there's not many of you. You are lying <laughs> if you say you've ever heard of that school before because you haven't. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to continue on. So we'll I, I did want to – Yeah. I am so glad to see the great grease ball go down any time <laughs> that John Calipari <laughs> loses. He is the epitome of everything that's wrong. And for me, anytime one of these things happen, uh, there is a quote by the great Dr. Jack Ramsey uh, that teams play together, beat those with superior players who play more as individuals. And then followed up with, a star can win any game. A team can win every game. And that's it. That is why I love Jack Ramsey. That's why I love basketball is these moments when you understand team and cohesion. And Kentucky is not a team. They are a collection of AAU stars pit-stopping their way to the NBA. So kudos kudos to Evansville. Kudos to the other Evansvilles that will come around, to the Lehigh's that beat Duke. We love you. To the Florida Coasts that arise up, we love you. B teams play basketball the way it was meant to be played, and you will have fans every day. On a side note, their schedule faces some pretty decent teams, and they're three and zero. Yeah, I 
Yeah, it's pretty surprising. They were the the paid loss for a number of teams, and they're they're making money. I say that because my school had a as a had had paid for a win at the to open the season and lost. So, yeah, that's why I'm not wearing their hat this podcast. Um, (laughs) But as we kind of mentioned before, I just kind of wanted to add this before there, and if you've got anything quick to say on it, Sean, I'll let you get in there quick. But it when we Earlier in this podcast history, we ripped the NCAA is or and some we all said negative things about the NCAA. Some of us were way more negative and stuff than others. And but when I look at stuff like this, this this is why I love college basketball, and this is why I'm really hesitant for anything that can jeopardize this. And I look at the ways as we you know paying players and stuff like that. That's how you eliminate stuff like this. Stuff like this starts going away when, because you stop scheduling these other small schools. Things, that's just the thing that makes me worry. This is the stuff when I look at, when I look at, I'm going to say this, and if you guys might cringe, but I know if Jonathan was on the podcast, he would cringe. There are some moments when the NCAA is so pure sports and it's situations like this. It pure. It's pure when you look and you go, you know what? The little guy who had no business and no shot, no chance to win. I mean, in the NFL and the professional ranks, no matter how bad you are, you're a professional player. Anyone can beat anyone on any given night. Yeah. That's not – That's college isn't like that. It's – this is rare and we need to – grasp on and love it when it happens because it only can happen in the NCAA. But if you've got anything to add on that, Sean, before we move on to the NBA, go for it. Yeah. The only thing I have to add is Nebraska is open season right now. So anybody needs a win, uh, you just schedule them (laughs) the next year and uh, they're good. I mean, Fred Hoiberg is, is taking suspended kids and playing with them and, and Scott Frost is uh, still trying to unlock Nebraska, so I give him two more years because it's Scott Frost. Hey, yeah. National Liberty Bowl champion Scott Frost, or whatever bowl that UCF won. <laughs> Anyways. But all right, so moving on to the NBA, we were going to get there, but we're kind of getting a little close on time, and we know you guys might be getting a little tired of hearing our voice. So we're going to go ahead and jump out there. Um, both. Both team or the two teams of the my, my two co-hosts here this week have made some really interesting stuff that's going on. We're going to start off with Carmelo Anthony, the return of the mellow. Absolutely. He's, so he's back. Yeah, not trying to brag, but this off season the Blazers have signed two future Hall of Famers. You know, Carmelo is the second and Pow is the first. So I don't want to okay. surprise you with how overpowering our new bench is. Um, but Dude, if it was 2010, oh my goodness. This, this is a scary team. The worst thing about this Carmelo signing is that it's not bad. That's the worst <laughs> part about the Blazers signing it, is that it's not bad. I have subjected myself to most Blazer games. And every time I say I quit and I'm not watching them, and then I will look at sometime mid-third, early fourth, and they're within three or four points. And I think this is it. This is the team that we've seen. And to see the top two NBA minutes players 
One, because NBA scheduling is absurd, and the Blazers were the first team to play 12 games, only four of which happened at home. It's an awful, crazy rig system. Uh, but then when you see the injuries that they've got, you see the disaster that was this offseason with Neil Olshay. Tolliver, I know Sean loves him. He literally got benched. Okay, we're on an injury-depleted team, and we saw enough of him to go get Carmelo Anthony. Mario Arzonia, <laughs> he can't play. Um, as much as I mock Carmelo everywhere else, he's going to do his job here. He mediocre, understands defense. My gut is that he's hoping to reclaim his name because people have just been dogging Carmelo for years. And, and one that, thing I will say about him playing defense, sorry to interrupt you there, but as as a Nuggets fan watching, yes, there were a number of times when it was cringy the way he played defense. But I can, I can tell you this. When he was challenged and wanted to play defense, he was actually good. I remember those series with the Lakers when he stepped up and said, I'm going to be the star and I'm going to cover Kobe. He wasn't a liability. He... I mean, Kobe still I would was like able to, to reference Kobe, the but... person that you just compared him to uh, as a defensive stopper has been out of his prime for 10 years. <laughs> he's, he might understand defenses, but he's as old as I am. We're both 35. I'm not feeling great about getting up. And I don't know if anybody else saw what Trey Young did to poor LaMarcus down in uh, – you know, San Antonio when he spun him around like a washing machine. But that's what I'm expecting Carmelo to do. It's it's a mess. We are praying that Powell gets healthy. Uh, really, this is just how bad Neil Olshay did it. And the worst thing about being a Blazer fan is that you've got the most secretive GM and an owner who got the team from her dead brother. And so you're not going to hear from anybody. You're just going to have to keep suffering and suffering. At least the Knicks president came out and said we need to do better this is not what we expected we don't get any bones like that here in portland we just sit here and have to fill up our own narrative and try to keep it as positive as we can there were others who are not on the podcast here and i will you know what? i'm totally fine throwing them under the bus because also i know that he can edit this out when he hears it if he doesn't like it um <laughs> but they they were very much anti this signing and thought it was the the funniest thing ever. And it just it it honestly surprised me that Mello hadn't been signed in the off season. Yep. In some ways, I'm actually really happy that this signing happened, if for no other reason than it keeps him from going to the Lakers. That as long as they don't cut him, because that was honestly that was the way I kind of expected it to be. Is they were gonna wait till. February or March, and then the Lakers were going to bring him in fresh and healthy to come off the bench and hit daggers, which... The rumor is the Lakers are just buying their time until Iggy gets cut from the the Grizzlies to go swing over there because they have an unofficial handshake deal set up in place already. But, yeah, they're... Obviously all speculation. Yeah, it's... I'm not just going to look at that. It's... He's... He's not a bad player, yes, and I feel like a lot of the bitterness from someone here was because it didn't work out for them in Houston. Um, Problem on that Houston team. Yeah, he wasn't fantastic, but 
neither was a lot of other people on that team. And you look, culture matters. Damian Lillard and Terry Stotts is not Mike D'Antoni and James Harden. They're just, they're not. So I've got more hope just for that aspect. We've kept Whiteside positive 12 games in, okay? You want to talk about the power of culture? Whiteside has not gone nuclear 12 games into it. That that is pretty incredible. And with, with Lillard, you've got a guard who can control a game and take over a game but also as a part of taking over a game, is totally cool giving the ball to someone else and let yeah. someone else hit a shot. If they've got an open three, again, as a Nuggets fan, I watched Melo drain contested and open threes like nobody's business. I watched Melo spin cycle people there. And yeah, he's 35, but I still think he can do at least some of that when fed correctly by a point guard. And he's got a point guard who can feed him correctly. Yep. Um, so I don't hate it. Yeah. So it. any statements there from you, Sean, on that before we move to your boy? No, I like it. It's a no risk, medium reward sort of situation. I mean, it is what it is, and I'm glad he's back in the league. Uh, he might, you know, still get his farewell tour, possibly. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, kudos to Portland. Uh, they saw a need, and they definitely needed to do something um, or else they're playing for James Wiseman <laughs> as well as anybody right now. And uh, well, yeah, as long so. as he gets to play for someone, I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, Memphis hopes it's only a nine game suspension. I just read that today too. So just a little nugget. Yeah. There, they hope a lot of things, but yeah, moving on to, <laughs> to Sean, Sean's what that, you know, Wiggins has had a lot of people have had a lot of things to say about Wiggins throughout the years. Um, I will end this podcast with my theory of what I want to happen with Wiggins. I don't know if you guys saw what I'd said in chat earlier. I think some of you might. I don't think you both both you did. I don't think I did. My story of how I want my my to use a pro wrestling term, my fantasy booking of the Wiggins situation of how I want this to go down. Uh, I'll finish with that, but I will let. I will let the homer go homer and go all homer on it. Go for it. Wiggins has been uh, awesome, to say the least. He's been balling, uh, according to Dwayne Wade. Uh, This is the Andrew Wiggins that everybody thought would come out as the first overall pick, even though we never really saw it while he was at Kansas. And, you know, it wasn't – it was just always the potential, and this is the potential – that everybody has been banking on. Uh, His usage rate is high, and his efficiency has shot through the roof compared to his career numbers. Um, He's, let's see, he's connecting for a career best on both twos and threes and uh, shooting at the highest efficiency mark that he ever has in his career. Uh, One nice little nugget here. Wiggins is one of only 17 players with a true shooting percentage of at least 56% and a usage rate of at least 28% this season, along with guys like James Harden, Giannis, and Damian Lillard. So, uh, also, Wiggins has the lowest turnover rate of anybody on that list. So, to say the least, he's been balling out. And uh, you can see that the Timberwolves culture right now, there's something changed. It, It is not... Tibbs and Jimmy Butler, you know, <laughs> the ghost of 
of Tibbs' past or anything like that. This is a new team. This is an excited team. Uh, this is a team, although they got pretty much steamrolled by Washington tonight, Wiggins uh, was out tonight for uh, personal reasons. His grandma passed away, so rest in yeah. peace, Grandma Wiggins. But um, Wiggins has been a, a core part of this team's success. I mean, they're sitting at 7-5 and five when I think everybody thought they would probably be you know, three and seven at this point, three and eight, nine, whatever it is. Kendrick Perkins went back. Uh, they have a new segment now on the jump, I believe, and it's Kendrick's T-Wolves temperature. At the very beginning of the season, he said that he's sleeping with the air conditioning at 60 and the box fan running on him. And uh, he turned his temp up to 70, and he said he turned the box fan down to level two. So... There's hope. It's tangible. And Wiggins, I mean, everybody knows that Carl Towns is Carl Towns. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's that. But Wiggins has been balling out. And, uh, I mean, the last five games, I think he's been averaging 36 and five or something like that. And um, 36 and five. Sorry to, to separate yeah. that out there. But um, which you, you haven't seen. I mean, usually yeah. you're expecting maybe 22 and one. And uh, to have a, a guy who's facilitating, who's moving, um, I mean, his defense is still below average, but, you know, he's becoming the offensive slasher. I mean, he's always been able to score on anybody in the league, always. I mean, you see him go up against Rudy Gobert and try to put him on a poster and do things like that. He's always been able to with the athletic ability, but now he's using it to his advantage. And it's something exciting to see. So um, I'm pumped. Uh, I know that. Yeah, go ahead, and, you know, yeah. anything could could happen, just like with Kyle's Blazers injuries and whatnot. But uh, it's fun to see for now. I, I know it's in division, but the I've always liked the the guys on the Timberwolves. That period of time, the the dark ages, as they will be known forever, of that Thibodeau, <laughs> Jimmy Butler, to see good, likable guys just get squashed. Yep just get squashed because of that mess. You, If you've watched and seen the interviews, Andrew Wiggins is a really likable guy. And to see the stuff that he went through, I am so happy that he is getting his, that the season is paying out for him. I hope it continues to go well. Andrew Wiggins doing well does the league a service. And so I, I hope that he continues to do well. I hope Minnesota continues to do well. You know, Saunders taking over uh, in place of his dad. I, it's turning out to not just be a sentimental feel-good story. He's doing a good job reviving the culture that his dad had built up for a long period of time when Minnesota had been its most successful ever. Yep. And so I, I want Wiggins to do well, and I am so happy that he finally got that monkey off the back. So I'm going to end this with my my story. This is what I want to see happen. I'm not sure, actually quick. When is when is he a free agent? Uh, a, a while. He's got yeah, a big contract. Did he just get resigned? Did he just five, resign? Four or five years. I can't remember whether the contract kicked in this year or last year, but All right, four well, or five seasons. Okay, it means I just got to change it slightly. All right. So this is what I want. LeBron James to, you know, tamper like LeBron James does. Um, starts tampering and starts talking to Wiggins. We want you to come in. You need to start. You need to come to Los Angeles. You need to come to Los Angeles. You need. You, we need you to come. We need you to come. Let's work on a trade. We want you here. We're going to get you all set up to come here. We're going to make everything happen for you. 
So L.A. makes moves slowly to get there, and he goes, you know what, I want to go. And he convinces LeBron, and LeBron, I want you, I'm ready to go, I want to be the third the third guy, not the third guy, you know what, it's going to be the three-headed beast. Each one is going to be equal in Los Angeles, and we're just going to dominate the league forever. So LeBron uses his influence, gets the Lakers to mortgage everything, put everything in the position to just get it, everything there. And every, when, every, once everything's there, the last thing that comes through, they've already mortgaged. They've got guys that are, you know, expiring deals, expiring contracts. Everything is set up. And the last minute he goes, oh, by the way, you didn't want to play with me when I was a rookie. I don't want to play with you now. Forget you. I'm sticking. Goodbye. That's just what I want to happen because I, I bug, it really bugged me when LeBron came back. And it was like, yeah, the number one overall pick is here. Get him out of here. I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> Instead, I want Kevin Love, who is a good player, but a good player on a bad team, which we all know are, means someone's got to get buckets. Kevin, which is always Kevin like Love the, is a great two or three guy on yeah. a team. He is it's, an awkward fit as the man. Yeah, I I love Kevin. He is solid. He's just he's not <laughs> he's not the guy. But if he doesn't have to be the guy, he's great. Yeah. But yeah, so just wanted, it always it always it always set with me wrong the way that all went down. And I was like, no, because when I was first leading, when when you know LeBron coming back to Cleveland, it was like, no, this makes sense. You're bringing in the number one overall pick, who's going to be this great player for years to come. You've got a young guard who's going to be great for a year, you know, who's great, but needs another guy for years to come. And you're bringing in LeBron. This is perfect. This works out great. Like you're, you're set also to forgetting the, the caveat of the worst number one pick in the last 25 years, Anthony Bennett sitting there as well on that Cavs team. Everyone forgets that gentleman went number one and both of those <laughs> were bundled together and traded for Kevin Love. Yeah, so. it, was just, like I said, it was just one of those moments where you just sit there and you just kind of watch, and all of a sudden it's like, no, no, I don't want this number one guy. I want nothing. And I just thought it was – but anyway, that last part can probably get edited out, but we'll yeah. go through it. And with that, uh, thank you for joining with us. I know it was yeah. a little bit of a longer podcast with us, and thanks for sticking to us with the end. And Like, share, subscribe, um, comment, do something. Let us know yeah. you're here. Let us know you're listening. It would be fantastic. and. We will see you next time. Goodbye.